1: A Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You
0: are listening to
1: Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Show with Bo Bow. Bo streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. <laughs> the
4: Soul.
5: out of bounds espn 105 dine the zone live in the bank plus studio streaming worldwide on the out of bounds radio app Hour number two live in the bank plus studio blake scott filling in for bo bounds excited to have you alongside as we talk a little college baseball college football and everything in between that was fred smoot on the corona Premier guest line talking nfl and always having a little fun with fred nothing wrong with some Fred Smoot in your life. I'm brightening everybody's day. ESPN 1059 The Zone, the out of bounds show, powered, of course, by Dancing Rabbit Golf Club and the Pearl River Resort. Golden Moon Hotel and Casino. you got to go check out the sports book. What my good friend Chris Hopwood's doing over there at Dancing Rabbit. Truly incredible as they're killing it, uh, both on the course and in the sports book. Casino looks fantastic. And of course, the brand new restaurant, Mama and M's. That's right, Mama and M's. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Uh, great Southern food. Big portions. You can't go wrong when you go to Mama and M's. This is the Out of Bound Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Talking a little SEC baseball with Ole Miss taking on Vanderbilt at 4.30 today. Approximately 4.30. You know how the SEC baseball tournament is, but... Approximately 4.30 today, the Rebels and the Doors will take on uh, or take each other on, I should say, in the first round. It's single elimination. And right now, D1 Baseball does have Ole Miss as a three-seed heading out to Palo Alto take on the Stanford Cardinal in the Stanford Regional. Ole Miss, the three-seed currently. We'll see what a win or a loss, obviously a win would secure a position for you. You would think a loss might make things better dicey Ole Miss sitting at 14 and 16 they're trying to get their way into postseason play a win would go a long way and of course the underlying story with all of this is what is the future of Mike Bianco we'll talk to Michael Katz coming up at 9 15 Michael Katz Ole Miss insider will join us on the corona Premier guest line and we'll ask him all the hard-hitting questions about Ole Miss baseball both tonight's game Against Vanderbilt and, of course, the future of Mike Bianco in Oxford. The other big story coming out of this weekend. Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, the jawing back and forth. Jimbo alleging that Nick Saban did things the wrong way. It's going to be interesting to see what Mike Dettelier has to say about Jimbo and Saban in their time at LSU because Jimbo obviously only coached for Saban at LSU. He did not coach for Saban at Alabama. He didn't coach for him in Michigan state prior to his tenure at LSU. And he didn't coach for him in the NFL. And so you wonder, you know, Mike D has covered the the uh, saints and the LSU Tigers for gosh, I mean ever since before I was born and he's got, you know, his fingers in the cookie jar, so to speak. going to be interesting to see what Mike's thoughts are on Jimbo's comments about, you know, learning from Saban how not to do it and learning from Bobby Bowden how to do it the right way. going to be interesting to see what Mike D's thoughts are on that. Mike D'Atelier coming up at 8.30. Jimbo Fisher, again, you all have heard it by now. As long as you haven't been in a coma over the last week, You've heard the back and forth from Jimbo Fisher, from Nick Saban. And at the end of the day, Greg Sankey's sitting here thinking,
1: It's really despicable.
5: Greg Sankey having to reprimand two of his you know, more established head coaches in college football because they can't stop jawing at each other like high school girls. It's truly remarkable. Truly incredible to watch. 56-year-old Jimbo Fisher and 70- or 71-year-old Nick Saban jaw at each other from across the aisle, so to speak, yelling into the microphone. It's been incredible to watch. And the content, I mean, it'll be never-ending. They play each other at the beginning of October. You don't think that game will be hyped up beyond imagine? You don't think ESPN and CBS and whoever else is running, you know, the SEC Network... They're going to run that storyline into the ground. You'll be so tired of hearing that storyline all season long, and especially if A&M can win. If, if A&M can be undefeated or one loss heading into that Alabama game, I, you know, that's huge. That's massive. Because Alabama, you know Alabama's going to be where they're going to be. You know what they bring back. Bryce Young, yeah, they lost Jamison Williams. Yeah, you lost John Mechie, but that that core group of talent is, is consistently, consistently top five, consistently top three. You know Alabama's going to be there. The question is, can Jimbo Fisher and A&M be there? How good is Max Johnson, the transfer quarterback from LSU? Can he really t- take them over the top? Is he dynamic enough to to get them over the hump? We had Brian Peroni, 247 Sports Aggies insider, on the show Friday. We, we hit that interview again yesterday. He talked about that quarterback position, and he talked about do they have a dynamic piece Max Johnson was not the dynamic playmaker that he mentioned. He mentioned Hayes King. Haynes King, already in the program. More dynamic athlete. Max Johnson, more traditional pocket passer. So can Jimbo Fisher be dynamic offensively? Does he have the ability to be aggressive in his play calling to be more Lane Kiffin esque in the way he approaches calling games. Remember, we've talked about it. Kiffin had a 19 0 lead on AM. AM lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State in back to back weeks. A neutral site game in Dallas, a home game to Mississippi State. They lost both. They lost to an Ole Miss team that was pretty dang good, but they got whipped to start 19 nothing. And then they lost to, an, honestly, an abysmal LSU ball club. That was not a good LSU team. So can Jimbo Fisher right the ship? It's going to be about quarterback play. At the end of the day, it, 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 it seems redundant. It seems repetitive. It seems simplistic, maybe. I get that there's 21 other players. You add a kicker and a punter, there's 23 other players. Whatever. It's going to come down to quarterback play for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. It's just that simple. ESPN 1059 The Zone. This is the Out of Bounds show live in the Bank Plus studio. Blake Scott filling in for Bo Bounds, hour number two. We're cooking with gas. Mike Detillier coming up at 830. That's right, Mike Detillier at Mike Detillier on Twitter. Saints LSU Insider. He's going to, man, I think he's going to wax poetic on this Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban controversy. It'll be interesting to see his thoughts on what Jimbo said about the goat or as he called him God the czar of college football who walks on water that's all quoted from Jimbo Fisher and his rant from last week Out of Bounds ESPN 105.9 The Zone The Out of Bounds Show brought to you by Kessler Prime Kessler Prime of the Renaissance visit KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation personally you gotta get the bone in ribeye You got to get the asparagus. I love it. I love it. Get you a side of french fries. Ooh. Finish it with the lemon icebox pie. I just got a sweet tooth. I can't help myself. Kesslerprime.com. Kessler Prime in the renaissance. It's the best steaks in the state. They knock them out. Kesslerprime.com. Make a reservation. Get in where you fit in. Out of bounds. ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Mike Dutellier 830. Michael Katz, Old Miss Baseball, 915. We got a lot left on the roster. Stay tuned.
3: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
5: Out of Bounds ESPN 105.9 The Zone live in the Bank Plus studio streaming worldwide on the Out of Bounds radio app like Scott filling in for Bo Bounds. We talk a little SEC football croutin talk a little croutin here in this segment before we go to Mike Detillier on the Corona Premier Guest Line at 8 30. This is the Out of Bound Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. And we're powered by Russell's Reserve, the Wild Turkey line of products. Russell's Reserve, 6, 8-year, 10-year. Can't go wrong. And, of course, Long Branch by Matthew McConaughey. That's right, Long Branch. All right, all right, all right. Try a glass of Long Branch over ice today and enjoy the mellow, smooth blend of Kentucky and Texas. As Bourbon Meets the West with Matthew McConaughey and Long Branch Bourbon. That's right. Please drink responsibly. Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Talking a little SEC football talk before we go to Mike detillier and get the lowdown on Jimbo and Nick Saban. They continue to battle. Continue to battle in the media. Saban going uh, full on crazy. On his former boss. And uh, dropping the hammer. Calling him the czar of college football. Referenced him as God. Said you can get away with anything. When you walk on water. Alleged that he learned. The right way to do things under Bobby Bowden. Did Jimbo Fisher. And he learned the wrong way to do things. When under Nick Saban. It's a. It is a public. And ugly. Breakup between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. And so we'll see uh, see what exactly plays out over the coming weeks and months into the college football season. But we'll get more into that with Mike Dutillier at 8.30. This is the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. If you want to be a part of the show, the Ag Up Equipment text line is how you weigh in. 601 885 Seven six. That's right. Eight eight five three seven seven six. Weigh in on the Ag Up equipment text line. If you have any thoughts on Mike Bianco and his future in Oxford, the game tonight as Ole Miss takes on Vanderbilt at four thirty Central around that time, four thirty central in the SEC baseball tournament at Hoover. Ole Miss has had success in Hoover. They've had some good runs under Mike Bianco at the SEC baseball tournament. So we'll see what shakes out tonight if you have any thoughts on that thoughts on mississippi state a little football recruiting talk we're about to hit from steve robertson jeanspage.com 247 sports as the bulldogs inked their fourth commitment of the class three-star running back out of katie texas seth davis Bo and steve went back and forth a little bit it's gonna be an interesting kind of back and forth as Bo questions whether or not that's the type of player that mike leach and his offense needs if you have thoughts on that i want you to get involved The Ag Up Equipment Text Line, John Deere Tractors, agup.com, Ag Up Equipment Text Line, 601-885-3776. This was Bo and Steve, uh, gosh, I think it was the beginning of last week, before Seth Davis signed with Mississippi State yesterday. This is what Bo and Steve had to say about the young three-star running back out of Katy, Texas.
0: They're targeting a guy in maybe the Houston area. That's a running back that's like five eight, one seventy.
1: Is that the wrong approach, Steve? See, I don't think so. When you consider what you already have on the roster, you can't have a you know backfield full of those guys. But when you look at you know Bull Hargrove, you know he is that big, physical, you know between the tackles type guy. So now you go out and try to find a complimentary back. And so I think I don't think Seth is the guy that, you know, touches it 25 times a game. I think he's just the piece they don't have right now. I think that's really what you're doing is you're managing your roster kind of based on what you have and what you're missing. And I think that he is a guy that fits what they want to do, but I don't know that he could be maybe the primary back, maybe like you know Jacquavius Marks says. And I think that he's a guy that uh, a little bit undersized but a little bit better foot speed. But, right. And then when you pair our Grove, I think you feel a little bit better about that decision.
0: But I would think this day and age you can find, because of the talent in the Sun Belt, let's go all the way from Texas down over to Georgia, down to Florida, that you can identify a guy that's 5'11", 180 in that spot and that they're a dime a dozen. Am I wrong?
1: Well, maybe. Maybe they are a dime a dozen, but I, I don't know that they have this guy's unique skill set. Not to mention, this guy's got four years of eligibility, and yeah, if a guy can't play in the Sunbelt, he can't play here.
5: Steve Robertson, jeanspage.com, 247 Sports. on His thoughts on Seth Davis, dynamic SEC athlete. You know, it's an interesting question. Does Mike Leach under-recruit? And what I mean by that is not, does he not recruit enough players, but is he recruiting the right players now that he's at Mississippi State in the SEC? There's no doubt that when stacked up against the rest of the conference, MSU does not recruit the same level of player of Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Florida when run correctly. Auburn probably when run correctly. I mean, not probably, realistically. It's it's in black and white. The numbers are there. Tennessee, they, they have not recruited that level of, of player. Which is fine. You don't necessarily have to. But I think Mike's problem is that when he was at Texas Tech and he was at Washington State, he was recruiting a whole different type of player. Way on down the line. And Bo's question is not about necessarily whether or not Seth Davis can play. Because maybe Seth Davis, even at 5'7", 170, and let's say he gains 20 pounds in college, he gets up to 190. It's not that he can't be a individually good to great player. That's not the point. The point is, should Mike Leach not be going after maybe a different type of player than what he was going after when he was at Washington State and Texas Tech? Because Mississippi State can absolutely out-recruit Washington State and Texas Tech. There's no doubt about that. So shouldn't you be going after a better level of player? Shouldn't you be going after a guy who are, who more traditionally fits the SEC footprint with which you play in? And maybe, again, Seth Davis may be that guy in this build. I'm not saying that he isn't good. It's more of the philosophical question of of conceptually, are you going down the right path? are you approaching this puzzle the right way are you in the right point of view i mean we do this in other in business you have to think about these things you do it in other sports when you're creating a team each piece has its own job to do just like an engine the piston rod isn't going to do what the valve do whatever you know doesn't matter each piece does its own job. On a baseball team, the pitcher pitches, the hitter hits, he fields, the closer close, right? We all have a job to do. Quarterback leads the team. Offensive line blocks. Receivers run and catch, right? And in the Mike Leach system, there may be some different types of jobs, but you still have to find the best piece for that job. And maybe Mike Leach is just He's so used to shopping in the discount section that he doesn't understand he's got he's got the ability to, to buy better products. How ironic that I use the word buy there with what we're going to talk about with Mike Dutillier. Coming up next on the Corona Premier Guest Line, Jimbo Fisher. Nick Saban alleges he buys his whole signing class. Jimbo responds adamantly. That couldn't be farther from the truth. We'll see what happens. Jimbo and Sabin in October, but first we'll talk to Mike Detillier, WWL Radio TV New Orleans, LSU Saints Insider. He'll give us his thoughts on the Jimbo and Saban Battle Royale in the media. Out of bounds, ESPN 1059 The Zone. Coming up next, Mike Detillier. You're going want to stick around for this one.
1: is the sec insider hit and it's presented by blue cross blue shield of mississippi it's good to be blue
5: out of bounds espn 105.9 the zone sec insider hit powered by blue cross blue shield of mississippi you heard the man it's good to be blue bcbs ms check them out blue cross blue shield of mississippi and we go to the Corona Premier Guest Line. We're going to welcome in WWL Radio TV Insider straight out of New Orleans, Mike Detillier, on the Corona Premier Guest Line. Mike's been covering LSU and the Saints. We're going to focus on the Tigers to start. Mike's been covering LSU for a long time, including the Sabin tenure, which included, of course, the Jimbo Fisher tenure. And with the latest out of both College Station and Tuscaloosa over the last week, thought we'd bring Mike on and start with the hottest topic in the SEC. So Mike, you've seen both sides, you watched them work together uh you know 20 years ago almost now at this point. What was your initial reaction first when Nick Saban made his comments at a public event um where he's kind of raising money for funds and then Jimbo's press conference afterwards.
2: Well, I've seen Saban Um, kind of blow the gaskets before, okay? Um, And, you know, it's just something that goes off on him at times. It surprised me uh, that he said it publicly. Not that he would say it privately, but publicly is another story because, you know, there's a certain code amongst coaches. You deal with your business and I deal with mine, and you don't interfere with what I'm doing. And uh, I haven't seen anything like that. I read about it. Joe Bellacci, uh ratted out the mob back in the 60s uh, to Congress. And that's what it basically was. You know, been going off, you know, on Jumbo on the fact that Texas A&M had a better setup for name image likeness than what he did. He was playing to his crowd. Okay. That, hey, you guys, y'all better wake up <laughs> because... What's happening there at AM, and uh, we've got to compete against that. So it surprised me uh, that Nick would publicly say it uh, because you rarely hear coaches come out and go after another coach for doing the same thing they're doing, the exact same thing that they're doing. Um, the Pittsburgh coach uh, said it subtly that he was upset with what Lincoln Riley was doing, Mm -hmm. going after his star receiver. And, um, (laughs) uh, but you know, he didn't really beat the drum about it as certainly to the extent that what Nick did, uh, Jimbo's response was, was no surprise. Uh, Jimbo's highly emotional. Uh, and, um, he was going to respond right back to it, and he felt Nick gave him the sword, and so this was his plea to other recruits. Nick Saban saying y'all shouldn't get any money, and for a certain okay, people heard that Nick, you know, I'm against it. They're paying, they're they're paying their recruits, okay there is a certain deal going exactly the same way what you're doing at Alabama, but you're criticizing Jimbo. So Jimbo was smart to do this. Now I think he's taken it way beyond now, but he played to the recruits and their families that, Oh, the greatest coach in college football, he can make all, he can make ten, eleven million 11 million dollars. He can do all these commercials for Aflac and everybody else, but he doesn't want you to reap any benefits that you're doing out on the field. Mm -hmm. See, I knew that was going to be Jimbo's angle that now he's He's not playing to the guys today. He's playing to his next group of, of recruits and he knows who he's in competition with. So, but he's taking it now to a way to another angle. And he did that interview out in San Antonio where he really ramped it up. But you seeing the emotions of both guys. I saw it here at, uh, it, when he both were in Baton Rouge. And they're very much constructed the same way. In that there are times where the emotions of one another get the best of them. And we we saw it, and and it was a lot of ugliness between the two of them. That did give us a lot to talk about,
5: and oh, now yeah. we got this
2: to talk about all the way up until they they kick off the first game oh, in August.
5: It'll be it'll be talked about until they meet each other in October. Um,
2: yeah, but I think it'll cool because the one thing at college football, and Les Miles told me this, and it's one of the few things Les was actually uh, coherent about that I agreed with because sometimes you would ask Les a question and he would start talking to you and you weren't sure what the hell he was talking about. You know, uh, it wasn't what you brought up. He was talking, he wanted to talk on on, on his particular deal, but he did tell me that, you know, one of the worst things in college football is this really long off season that he says, you know, the season's so short, when you consider September, October, November, and maybe you're creeping up into the first couple of days of December, and it's over. Mm-hmm. So he says, okay. Uh, so if you're in a bowl game, you you got a couple of weeks, and then you played a bowl game, whatever. But he says just just think about comparing that to college basketball, where you start in October and you don't finish until March or April. Uh, compared to college baseball you know where you know you starting with in February and you got March April may and into June
4: mm-hmm.
2: and then you he said you know college football is so short and he did bring up the fact that I think any little thing that goes wrong will be magnified four four times he and uh, listen I'll be honest with you Leser's right about that it's it's, uh, it's one of the few things that you know. In in talking to him about certain things, I I, I got where he was coming from. I really got it where he was going at uh, with this deal. So I think once the season kicks off, it, it it'll somewhat temper down until Alabama plays A and M again, mm-hmm. and then it'll ramp up. But um well, I was I was surprised Nick made that comment publicly
5: yes Correct. because
2: there is a certain line in the sand for coaches of i'm gonna mind my own business and you mind yours and and he crossed the line there yeah it's the of, unwritten of rule
5: it's the unwritten rule they it's in every locker room you don't you don't talk about another man's money you don't talk about another coach's decisions it's just not what you do and so I thought yeah. it was. I thought that Saban definitely made a mistake. I thought Jimbo did a great job pitching two recruits, like you said. But here's what I thought was interesting: he went very personal with his responses at Saban specifically, right? And so I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I I just thought, thought this was a very interesting comment to make because it was so unnecessarily added, right? He made the comment that when you coach under Bobby Bowden, you learn how to do things right. And when you coach under other people, you learn how to do things wrong. Obviously, he's referencing his time under Saban versus then leaving LSU and going to Florida State. Was there any indicator when you were covering them, or anyone else for that matter, that Jimbo was unhappy with how the things were being done at LSU? Not how Saban was working him necessarily or their relationship, but... This whole idea that Saban was doing the wrong thing and Jimbo was adamantly against that—he
2: uh, never said it. Now he—he's one of the few assistant coaches uh, that uh, he was open about. Hey, listen, you want me on? J- you just give me a call. I- I'll do it. I'll do shows. And Nick did not stop him from doing shows with us on WWL. Jimbo was a regular. Uh, he never indicated that at times. Uh, I've had sort of one-on-one with him. He has never said that throughout the years. And we've met numerous times. He has never brought that up. Now, they differed on how to do things. Uh, that part, yes, uh, that he he felt that maybe Nick had pushed the boundaries quite extensively. But I, I never heard him complain about the way nick handled his business it was maybe how he handled people there's a difference how he handled people and how he handled his business i never heard it he did talk glowingly of bobby bowden uh and that that is something that's always been a part of him he he's really spoke highly of of coach bowden uh i think if there was any negative I think he maybe felt that Nick, being in that pressure cooker of the SEC, and they had they had paid him a lot of money to leave Michigan State to come to LSU. He had pu- he pushed everybody to the brink, he really did, and and coaches were coming and going pretty quickly, and he stayed. He he did stay, but some of those coaches stayed with him when he left, and he joined the Dolphins. So I think it was not necessarily how Nick did things in recruiting and the structure of it or anything else. It was maybe how he treated certain uh, – how he treated everybody. Because the one thing with Nick, he was an equal opportunity uh, ass-eater. I mean, to be honest with you, he he was going to jump you uh, no matter what and who you were and – it, that didn't matter if you were a player or a coach. He was going to jump you. So you you get you got used of it. That was the way he was going to be. But I never heard Coach Fisher ever say anything negative about how Nick was running LSU. And throughout the years, I've never heard him say anything negative about how Saban was running University of Alabama, mm-hmm. never. Yeah, and we've met numerous times, and and he had ample opportunity to one on one that with me if he'd have wanted to, but he he never breached that. I think he felt as though Nick, kind of stepped on, on across the line, um, that he shouldn't have crossed, and then it set him off like a firecracker. Yeah, and then he you know he pulls Dion involved with it. Okay, not only is he going after him, but he's going after Dion and
5: Jackson State, which makes no sense to me, Mike. And that's and that brings up the second part of this, which we focused a lot on Jimbo's response, and rightfully so, because it was the you know flaming, scathing audio, right? That was you know Saban's was sixty seconds, Jimbo's was ten minutes, but I think the piece that is interesting to me is what motivates. someone like Nick Saban in his position in his time period of where he is in his career to say this. This is almost like throwing the gasoline on the floor right before you light the match and walk out the front door for the last time, right?
2: I think what this is, this was his, I think in his own mind, he thought this out. It just didn't come out of him. But something during that day set him off. Now, again, I've been around him. I've done junkets with him and been around him. It don't take much sometimes, okay, Uh, to to get the valves clicking. And I think he was playing to the crowd of, hey, if you guys don't understand what's going on, I'm going to explain it to you, and we need to do a better job with this name, Image Lightness Setup. And that's the crowd he was playing to. Uh, to that Alabama crowd. It had nothing to do with anything else, but he crossed the line being personal with Texas A&M, Fisher, Deion, Jackson State. And that is something you rarely ever have seen in college sports at all.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: There's been dislike amongst coaches. And privately, they have told you things about other coaches. Uh, but, man, to do it publicly, and for Nick to be the one to do it, that was the surprise to me.
5: That's what's so now, interesting If to he's me.
2: the czar of, co- of college football, I get it. Okay, if you're if you running the NCAA, I get it. But you're not. You, you the head coach at Alabama. hmm that there's a difference there, and uh, I think that's would set off a, two very emotional guys, and because Nick is, and so is Jimbo. You know, the coolest one of the bunch was Dion.
5: He he handled it as well as anybody. But he comes from the best position, Mike, and I think it's because for Dion and Jackson State, everyone hears Nick Saban say something about A and M, and. You know, I guess because of their relationship with Jimbo and the fact that it's two SEC West teams and they're actually competing now on more of a level playing field than ever before. It's still not level, but it's more level than it's ever been for A&M in Alabama. J- Jackson State's this weird third-party innocent bystander and everyone's going, who cares about Jackson State football? Why are you talking? You're Alabama. Why is Jackson State and Dion even in your mouth?
2: Yeah, that... That was the other part that sort of surprised me too. Now, again, is Nick thinking about, well, man, if things go south in, in Tallahassee, I might be having to go up against, now, even though they are different conferences, I might have to be going up against Dion mm-hmm. if he becomes the head coach at Florida State in recruiting. So, you know, one thing with Nick, he's pretty calculated about what he's what he's gonna do and how he's gonna do it. Uh, but uh, again, it, it was really a surprise to me. N- no one nicked the way I have throughout the years, and not that I, I know him very well today, but when he was here, uh, we saw bits and pieces of that very emotional, hot-headed Nick Saban, and he was on a journey. Uh, to win LSU a national championship, and that that was his deal—that he was going to win it, uh, you know, one way or another—and and he got it done. But there were times that you wondered a little bit, you know, how he handled. And you heard it from players, you heard it from assistants. Uh, his really pushed to the brink theory uh, that. Uh, I guess today he still does now again this is a much younger Nick Saban uh, than what you're talking about today yeah but man uh I I think what his biggest fear is because I think if everybody was truthful and you said okay name mm-hmm. me the team in the SEC you fear the most uh that could potentially catch Alabama over the next five to seven years, if everything goes right for them, I, I, I bet you every SEC coach would say Texas A&M mm-hmm. because of the money, because of the facilities, the players in the state of Texas, uh, proximity of crossing over and grabbing guys from Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma is real simple. You know, it, it's not a long run for them. And with a talent base like what they have in Texas, I think there's a great fear of that. And, and I've been told that by more than one head coach in the SEC, yeah. that if it ever was right and everything was right, A&M would be a very feared team because of the setup. Yeah. And I think Nick starts to see it now. Not only is it to his east, you know, in Georgia, but it's also now to his West. Here's my question I'll ask you. LSU wins the national championship in 2019, maybe the greatest season ever uh, for a one-year one, one year run. Did you ever hear him really talk nope. anything close that way about no. LSU?
5: Because no. he
2: knew it wasn't sustainable. Yeah,
5: because he knew who the coach was.
2: Yeah, and I think he, he knew enough about the setup at LSU. Mm-hmm that it wasn't just Coach O. I, I think he knew there were some things bubbling in the background yeah. that w- also was going to help uh, that situation also. He didn't react that way about LSU, not at all. It was like a comet that had passed in the night.
5: Yeah, but he's um, always been them. he's always been at edges with Kirby at Georgia, and now he's clearly at odds with Jimbo Fisher at A&M. We're talking to Mike at WWL Radio TV New Orleans. On the Corona Premier guest line, this is the Out of Bound show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. All right, let me ask you this then, Mike, to piggyback off of this. Is Saban's demonstrative attitude in part more because he understands that he's got less time? And secondly, because, as you just mentioned, the ironic nature of him asking about parity, there's never parity in college football, but it does seem like there's maybe a few more haves in the conversation in the SEC than have recently been is that your thoughts on that
2: uh yeah parody is a pipe dream yeah (laughs) okay come on Uh, that that's ridiculous him talk him talking about parody okay this is the same guy in his first press conference uh at LSU talked about one of the big reasons he took the job at LSU was the fact that LSU was the big dog in the state and that when he was at Michigan State that wasn't going to be the case Okay, so he's talking about parity, and he's not, you know, and then he uses it as an excuse or reason. One of the reasons he left Michigan State to come to LSU. So, so he uses it when he needs to. It's, uh, you know, that that's just the way it is uh, with him. So the parity part, he's. He's just whistling in the wind. There's always going to be the haves and the have-nots uh, in, co- in college sports. That's all. Now, some of the names may change, and what's interesting is who has really jumped in feet first with the name-image-likeness deals have been teams that have a fervent fan base. They have people with money that back them and they want to win and they don't understand why they're not winning now when you look at Texas A&M Texas USC Tennessee Nebraska they all have that same element in place every one of them where they got money they got a fervent fan base They have a situation where they want to win now. (laughs) They got a certain alumni part that don't understand why they're not playing for a national championship every year. And so their setup for name-image likeness was ahead of a lot of other people. And, And Nick doesn't like the fact that now Money and alumni get involved, are now heavily involved with some of those other programs. Mm-hmm. He sees it just like I see it, and everybody else sees it, who covers college football. That, you know, it has sort of stoked that base. Now, can those schools piece it together, and will it be sustainable? That will. That's the other part. The thing that's made Nick unbelievable is he's been sustainable throughout all that time yeah. where he's cursed and stomped his feet and screamed about every little change in college football since he took over at Alabama.
5: Yeah, no, it's it's the longevity of success is interesting, but I think, like you said, he becomes more demonstrative as he sees that window getting smaller and smaller. Mike Dettelier, WWL Radio TV New Orleans, on the Corona Premier Guest Line. As always, Mike, incredible stuff. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you, brother. Appreciate
5: it. We'll see Mike next week, Tuesday at 830. It's always a good time with Mike Dettillier on the Corona premiere guest line. I mean, mm, the drama. It goes back decades. Jimbo and Saban. What's next? Who Who's going to say the next dumb thing? Gosh, I love this sport. Hour three coming up next.